Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. And hit it. We are Lakeside. Well, not... Wait, Lakeside is the amusement park? Pondside. We are Pondside. Arvada, Colorado. In Arvada. What is... Father Michael O'Loughlin. I'm trying to think. This is Father Michael Rapp here. <laughs> no, I'm, that was your cue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, um, we got to some beautiful bugs flying around. Yeah. I think they're dragonflies. They're a weird. I've never seen dragonflies with wings so wide and colorful. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I thought dragonfly wings were like see-through. Did you know? This is like, I I read this and I can't even imagine how it works, but hummingbirds can um, flap their wings 200 times in a second. I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard a lot. I don't know what the amount was. 200? Yeah. Can, is that even... I mean, a second is pretty quick. Well, if you imagine, like, dogs can hear sounds that we didn't even know existed, and, I mean, I think it's... it's hmm. I think this is like the arrogance of atheists. Their atheists think that everything, everything that exists is perceivable by humans. Yeah. And, like, we, we take our own abilities we compare it to everything else... Because if they can say there is no God, then you're like, then you're saying you, there's not because it's not provable. Then you're saying you can perceive everything that is provable. That's the arrogance. You call that the arrogance yeah. of the atheist. They, they just think well, it's Well, but they would admit there's like x-rays and... But I mean, even those things are still perceivable as long as right. you have tools. Right. So, I mean, obviously we believe that there's things that it doesn't matter how many tools or how, how, big, how good science is, there's still things that exist that we will never be able to perceive and cannot perceive. Well, I'm being very Byzantine here. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the beatific vision, according to Thomas, would be we, we see things that we see everything. But, um, but the, the, there still is oh, that sense interesting. of like No, science. I didn't even know that you guys had that different perspective. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you, man. Yeah. I believe in things visible and invisible. Exactly. And Angels are some of the awesomest people, and we will never perceive them with our five senses. And they're not people. Unless they will. Not well, I was thinking this thing about angels have, are each their own species. I heard that somewhere when I was at Steubenville. It's interesting, but it's hard to really make sense of it. So every angel is a very different kind of thing than the other ones. But yeah. they're all, in the end... A, a, a spiritual being. We're also, though, when we say that, we're basing we're basing our knowledge of them or our impression of them on ourselves. Like we 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 exist by species here in this world. Like they're so otherworldly. It's almost like a dog looking at one of us and going, "That's like a that, that dog has such a weird mouth." Like looking at us, and we're like, "No, we're not <laughs> no, dogs." You know, just, so angels are like, you "We're all the, different." You're weird. Why are you using your terminology <laughs> to try to define us? Like, yeah, that's true. Well, they appear <laughs> in the Bible. They appear like human beings. Oh, I got to so show you. Kind of, I got to show you this drawing. So I, oh, I, I saw it. Did you? City of Angels. Yeah, that's a friend that's that cool. did that for me because I'm going to L.A. Isn't it, it was beautiful? way cool. Yeah. Do you have? Is there like a six-winged seraphim. seraphim saint that you guys have? I, I, there in the Coptic monastery, I oh. kept seeing this guy. Well, or an icon of this guy with the wings all over. And John. finally, I asked, like, what is this? Is oh. this angel archangel or something and they said no that saint uh fell from a roof or something a cliff and then the angel caught him Ah. lest he strike his foot against the stone interesting okay and so he's depicted with this kind of covered by the wings it it just reminded me of that when i saw that city of angels thing yeah who is it is it michael that's just a seraphim oh cool so pretty much this is a uh, a friend of mine who's not religious at all 
but I, she's an artist friend of mine. And so she, so I sent her, I like her style. She did yeah. the, um, she did the skeleton on my coffee mug. That's way cool. So she has this, so she does this really good. Did she art make that, that for you? No, or she, 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 just she made stickers of some of her art, and I asked for a sticker of this one because I love it. That is cool. It's a skeleton smoking and drinking, and drinking coffee, coffee, but the coffee mug says "I'll sleep when I die," and it's already uh, dead. So I just, I just love the that kind yeah, of inside joke. That's play, yeah. yeah, that's a good one, and it's cool. It just looks but so cool. she, so I, I, I gave her, I gave her the passage from Isaiah that talks about seraphim. I mm-hmm. gave her some writings on the fathers that talk about the seraphim based upon Isaiah. And revelation, and then I gave her like six or seven um, like examples of icons of the cis wing seraphim in like all b- bunch of different forms, and then she got she did that in her own style, which I thought was great. It's super cool. Yeah, and is it uh, like a chalk? I mean, what I, is it? Because it, it was I, like a dark background with light. Yeah, I think she. Uh, I'm pretty sure she used sharpie or something to get all the black on there. Oh, really? So okay. I think uh, th- there is something almost like whiteout-ish about the white part. And it, if you look at it in the light, it's like layers. It's it's really amazing. But I, I'll have to ask her what the medium is that she used. But okay. it's really well done, especially going to L.A. I'll put it on my wall and remind me of Thanks. Los Angeles. Thanks, friends. Thanks, artist friends. Exactly. Right on. That's cool. If you're an artist and you want to send me at the Byzantine Catholic Proto-Cathedral in, of St. Mary's in Sherman Oaks, California, send me. I can't afford to pay for it. I apologize even if you've already done it and take pictures, I like supporting artists by paying them money. Um, and I paid for this. You know, I, mm-hmm. I insisted. Um, and I like doing that. But if you, if you want to do art Sponsoring for me... Sponsoring the arts. That, or send me pictures of cool angel art you see to help my landing in Los Angeles, that'd be awesome. Please. Yeah. Well, that's a cool invitation. Do you know what invitation. the full name of I remember Los a guy, is? There was a guy who... Uh, well, no, a guy and a gal that wrote a song and sent it to us for... Oh, I remember that. It's like it kind of a like, death metal song, right? God is beautiful! <laughs> it was pretty cool. <laughs> but I... Yeah, I like, I like when artists are doing stuff, you know? I had an artist send me a really cool tattoo, a temporary tattoo of these four podcaster nice. guys. Nice, I got that too. I forget the name. What, what what was her name? I I'd have to look it up. I I only know her Instagram name. Oh, speaking of um, artists, Terry Gilliam has recently made a Don Quixote movie oh. that is fantastic. He got it. Okay. He just he just got it. It's got Adam Driver in it and um, what's his name, Jonathan Price, and it's so clever, kind of like contemporary. Don Quixote um, film. It's fun. It's silly like Quixote. It really captures the ingenious Hidalgo himself and Sancho Panza. And I was really happy because I'm a, I'm a devotee. Do you know that? I do because I've seen Don your Quixote. Tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> I have Don Quixote tattoo. Um, I've always loved the Quixote. <laughs> and all things um, quixotic. Nice. That's the, how you say the word. Is it quixotic? It's not quixotic. No, quixotic. Quixotic. If you're like writing and want to describe things. Nice. Um, so real quick, do you know what the full name of Los Angeles is? The city of Los Angeles? I had to look it up just now. 
I'm going to pronounce the it. The full weird. name? The full name. I thought it was Los Angeles. Nope. El Pueblo de Nuestra Señora La Reina de Los Angeles del Rio Porciuncula. That oh. is the full name. And it means Town of Our Lady, mm-hmm. the Queen of Angels of the River Porciuncula. And it been shortened to Los Angeles. It did make me think of Assisi yeah. because, well, there, it was started by Franciscans, right? All of California was yes, evangelized Spanish by Franciscans, I believe. Franciscans. So believe. everything is San Francisco and Los Angeles. But it must be the Los Angeles. You've been to Assisi, right? Yes. At the base of the, of the city is the Our Lady of the Angels. Yes. Right? And inside is the Porciuncula. That's where he says there's more angels in that tiny little chapel than there is anywhere else in the world. So that must be where your city is yeah. being named after. No? That's why it says Portiuncula in the name. Portiuncula. Did you know that my plans for tiling the front porch of the Companions House I did is not. the floor of the Portiuncula? Oh, I don't I wasn't allowed was to like. take pictures in there, but I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. And I haven't done it yet, though. Oh. But that's my plan. Nice. What what does the floor look like? What's what's it's just a particular kind of mosaic. Oh, okay, nice. But it has it needs something. Blondstone and redstone, and we have both of those in Colorado. Nice. It's flagstone. Yeah, cool. All right, so I'm a devotee, and I just wanted to I wanted to talk about devotions. Nice. We don't have enough of those. Well, that's the what I'm wondering, because. You got a lot, of the, a lot of people who used to do a lot of devotional stuff. Yeah. And then it's kind of looked down on anymore. And at least in this kind of American Catholic church that yeah. I... In Italy, there was more devotions. And in the Latin American culture, definitely. Like, if you go to a grocery store here, yeah. or in New Mexico... Get the candles. You can get candles yep. with santos on them. <laughs> And then you light them, and you think of your saint, yeah. and you, you know, say your prayers. Yeah, I'm a big fan of local devotions. We just don't have those anymore. Hmm. Like we, when we talk about devotions, we talk about the rosary, adoration, things like that. And yeah, those are beautiful, amazing devotions that we need to keep in the, in the Roman Church, especially. But like, do we have local devotions? Like, like almost if you look, go to these old European towns and old Spanish towns, like. In the U.S., old Mexican towns, you have these local devotions people are doing forever. But now all of our devotions are completely universal, and we don't mm-hmm. do anything different in Denver than we would in L.A. Yeah, I want to like do different devotions in Denver than we do in L.A. and like embrace the local part. I like well, who who's a big saint of well, Denver? We could do um, St. Francis Cabrini. Yeah, exactly. Go up to the shrine, exactly. Do a parade. Who, who's procession. the? Is she, I think she's the blessed now, buried in the cathedral. Julia Greeley. Why don't we hear more about Julia Greeley? Why don't I, that, that's, well, that kind of angers me? I'm like she's a local saint, yeah. only local saint. Even like Mother Cabrini was kind of all over the place, but like Julia Greeley, like we should be so proud of having a local saint here in town. We should. We should celebrate more. Yeah, devotion. We, we should man. have parades for her, and we should have you know carry a statue or like find find things to do yeah. for Julia. Well, Greeley. I think we're kind of taking it slow with Julia until her cause gets yeah, until she's completely a certain. Was she blessed now or serving a God or what is she? She's serving of she, God. Okay. So we got Julia time. Greeley. So well, we she, start planning. Once now. she's beatified, then you okay. can start we all doing mean, more. Cause didn't she used to bring devotions. food to the poor by pulling it around in a, in a red flyer wagon? 
like a red nice. wagon. I think she'd bring it out. It's like, we should just have yeah. parades with red wagons. I like it. A parade for Julia Greeley. And all, all the red wagons filled with food for the poor, and the homeless come and participate in the parade, and they eat like kings and queens. Uh-huh. While they're, well, anyway. Well, okay, so I don't, I'm, part of this is coming from my, um, sorry, I'm echoing in these headphones, know, and it's driving me a little bit crazy. So some of this is coming from um, a, re- a recent gift that I was given Ooh. of this crucifix. That Brother Jude gave me. Is that a relic? The Franciscan. Yeah. Nice. And it is like they used to wear these things, like the religious used to wear them. And you can unscrew the bottom, and then it opens, and it's got all these relics in it. Wonderful. um, For a bunch of different saints. And I'm just like, I'm kind of a devotion guy. (laughs) So I like it. I like having these special sort of... um, I don't know, pieces of the Catholic life. But I don't know if, do the Byzantines get weirded out by parading around relics? And no, we do all the time. Do you? We have, we, have, we have so many processions throughout the year. Look at this thing. Many, oh my gosh. Many, many, cool? many Byzantines will actually carry, like instead of having a scapular, they'll just have a pouch with a relic in it around their neck. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Agnus Dei. Oh, that's, that's not a relic. Yeah, so I think Brother Jude said that one was... Baratus uh, Eliutine, Barbara... St. Agnes. Liberato, Ursula. Wow, dude. Honoratus. Maximilian, Vitus. These are all old school, too. I know. <laughs> Isn't that cool? What a great idea. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love it. But it just fosters devotion. And the point of devotion is, like, you just have holy friends yeah. and holy friendships. You yeah. keep people in mind, stay close to them. You know, I try to do some rosary in the car, but I don't know. I, there's this bias against the devotional stuff where they say, well, we used to do that, but that's back when we didn't care about loving God right. or like a personal relationship with Jesus. Right. Now that we talk about personal relationship with Jesus, you shouldn't pray your rosary anymore? Yeah. I mean, like what? I don't get it. Yeah. The devotions are supposed to help foster and perpetuate our, our love for Jesus. I think it's very important to acknowledge that, that devotions can go completely awry. We can we can we can appreciate the habits that they bring. We can appreciate the 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 actions without going deeper. And any devotion is prone to that. But obviously, devotions are created by people who love God, and and at some point they led them closer to God. And so they can go. They can. They're kind of opportunities that can also be squandered or even cause trouble. But but if we can say that's no reason to jettison them from our spiritual life. But wh- how often do they cause trouble? I guess I do understand, like, okay, there's, there's this sort of stereotypical image of old lady who comes and prays her rosary instead of, like, praying the mass with everybody yeah. else and doesn't want other people around, just her and her devotion or whatever. Yeah. That's, a, that's not, like, rampant. Yeah. Where is this happening? I, I you know, think- I'm trying to get people to do... I guess we're trying to do more with... Um, Eucharistic adoration, yeah, as a central like maybe it's just kind of coming back to like what are the essential devotions or what are the primary ones? Or, yeah, I'm just gonna be the devil's advocate here if you don't mind, and I, I, I don't because I love devotions too. Obviously, our Byzantine Church is full of it as well, but there, I think there's something about if I'm looking for how could devotions cause trouble, you would say okay. If and I think one of the ways that adoration could was if you say you walk in and you go I. Walk out of adoration, and I'm good. 
I, I like that. That's I put the time in. I put my hour oh. a week in. I do it at three a.m. because that's harder to do. And and you just you think that you're good, and it doesn't actually lead to a deepening of the relationship with Christ. Now, okay. is that any reason? Because that probably happens. Yeah, with all like of self-justified us. or yeah. So is that any reason to stop doing it? Of course not. We purify it because, of course, in the Western Church, adoration is like the second greatest prayer, second only to the Mass, right? Yeah. Well, I could see that fine. And also, like, a sort of superstitious kind of. Yeah. Um, like, I like lighting candles. Mm-hmm. I like lighting candles. Whenever somebody tells me they're traveling, I say, hey, you know, go to the mm-hmm. church and light a candle for me. And... I guess you could see it, it superstitiously, like, you know, this is doing some sort of magic. Now my prayer has to be answered because I did something or right. whatever. Um, I'm not even sure, like, what it's for. It's just kind of, like, fun. <laughs> and I d- there is this sort of sense, this old, like, what is it, like, catechesis that would be, say, as long as it, it keeps your prayer before the... Mm-hmm. I don't know, the saint or the, keeps your prayer before God as long as that candle is burning, which is kind of like, I don't know, strange, but yeah, I think I, if, I, there is something beautiful about the visual to it. And I think if you look at it with all purity, okay, so you, then these, these are all the things that can go awry unless they're oriented correctly. So when you, when you go to a church to light a candle, what are you doing? You're saying, Faith is not just about the intellectual ascent to the reality of Jesus Christ. Faith is about my daily life. It's about using everything God gave me to respond to him, including my body, my time, my money, everything, mm-hmm. my family. So if I'm lighting a candle, I'm literally walking to the church. That's an act of faith. Yeah. I am paying money, my hard-earned money, to buy a candle donate for a donation. That is an act of faith. I'm lighting the candle, which is an act of faith. The flame symbolizes the light of Christ, which is an act of faith. The candle in it being lit symbolizes mm. prayer, which is an act of faith. And then it sits in front of there. And it's not like you can, of course, take that completely wrongly and just say, well, if I pay more money for a bigger candle, my prayer is going to remain there longer. It's like, there's part of that because you bought you you spent more of your harder money on a bigger yeah. candle, you know. So yeah. that there's it just it needs to be considered rightly. But there's so much beauty in saying I put the effort in to do these things, and that those are acts of faith, and faith is what matters here, of course. And mm-hmm. Now I can say I'm just going to pay more money, and then does, does Jesus give me more grace if I pay more money? You know, um, those those things can go completely awry and cause more trouble than they are good. But but if it's oriented correctly, all of these things are acts of faith that that are leading us and bringing us closer to Christ. And that's the whole point of these devotions. And so yeah. they are beautiful. You just need to kind of refine that beauty if those things have been abused by your parents or grandparents or the church as a whole or whatever. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I love. I, I think it stirs your love. You know, that's yeah. what devotion is supposed to do. It stirs up your love. And I have a pretty good habit, not like absolute, but a pretty good habit of buying flowers for Our Lady on nice. Marian feasts. Nice. And I just love it. And it makes me love her even more, you know. And it's an act of love for Jesus, honoring her mother. And I don't know why. It's kind of a silly thing because it's like, here's a statue <laughs> I'm going to put flowers in front of a statue. Aren't they for people? But it is because it's an act of love. And I've grown in love just by doing these mm-hmm. devotional 
kind of practices. And they're sacramental. They're outward, right? I go and I make the effort of going to a store, buying flowers, especially for a celibate, so I don't get to buy flowers that often. Yeah. Right? You, you go and you, you buy flowers for, for your main woman. And uh, and we go and you, I mean it, the whole effort is just so human. It's so sacramental. We, we're doing something outwardly that reflects the beauty of mm-hmm. of the inward you know disposition that we have. Yeah. Or maybe I should I should clarify for if you've got um, non Catholics or um, I don't know people who are learning about the Catholic Church yeah. or whatever. I should clarify that sometimes people think they say that Catholics worship saints. Right. Or Mary or something. Like, we're talking about these people right now. And we don't. We worship Jesus, right. um, who reveals the living God, you know. Get, we worship God, and you can only worship God. Um, it, w- it would be idolatry to worship the saints. But yeah. we don't worship the saints. We do have devotion toward the saints, though. Mm-hmm. And that means um, just, like, acts of love for your friends, yeah. you know. God isn't jealous if you love your mother well, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. God isn't jealous if you love your friends well. Um, that doesn't take away from your love from God. And so these kind of acts of devotion to the saints are like just kind of stir up our interest in acting like them, following their example, um, asking for their help and their prayers, and all of these yeah. things. Um, and it's the kind of devotion like. I got a friend, Morgan is obsessed with Robert Plant. Okay. And she thinks about Robert Plant regularly enough that maybe every other conversation that you're going to, you're going to hear about, if you're around her, you're going to hear about Robert Plant every day because hmm. she's devoted, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's basically what we're talking about when it comes to um, having practices that keep you so informed about your love and your interest in something that everybody around you just knows. Hmm. Like, that guy's really into Jesus, you know? Or, you know, it's just, it's a way of, um, yeah, just kind of living in the atmosphere of religion, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's culture. Devotions are just so incredibly human, that there's a way that God created us as human beings that, that the way that, I mean, like the devotion to, to kissing your wife, the devotion to, you know, taking your children on a picnic. I mean, the, these are, in a sense, devotion. They're little human acts that, that actually manifest and build up the real relationships that are involved. Um, and so when we have these devotions to the saints and, and to our Lord in, in this case, these, when, when those are rejected, we're just rejecting a part of our humanity. When we're saying it's all about, it, it pulls us away from directly loving Christ. It's like Christ wants us to love him through our humanity, not just the purely academic intellectual life of, of, of the brain. You know, everything mm-hmm. about us, we should respond to him. And that's why, especially in the business here, we venerate things, we bow, we make the sign of the cross. Yeah. I mean, all these things Kiss are, things. Our, yeah, the, these are human acts of faith that have everything to do with becoming more in union with Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's just, it, it's helpful. And it's almost like necessary like you got to have these acts of yeah. I mean do you have to tell your mother that you love her? She knows. Yeah. But you should. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And and you should do it often, you know. It's like 
Just human, yeah, like you're saying, it's, it's, it's human. So what kind of devotions do you have? So like my, my biggest one I use on a daily basis is probably just my icon corner. So you, 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 have a, you have a place in your house, in your living quarters, that is a little mini church. You have an icon of our Lord, an icon of the Theotoko, so Jesus and Mary. Then you have other icons that you like around it, and that's you stand in that corner, you light a candle, you light incense, um, and then you you say your prayers, Trisagian prayers, the various order of prayers. Mm. You venerate the icons when you get there, when you leave. Um, I mean, all of these things are, you just get, I get very, I got very, and I remain very attached to that experience a couple times a day. Standing in that corner, having it set mm. aside for prayer. Yeah, that's nice. You know, things like that. I, I mean, I also have other devotions, like I like making the sign of the cross when I pass a church. Yeah. You know, little, little things like that. that I, I just, they're little good human reminders. Yeah, I was thinking on the drive over, I was like, there's some little, it's kind of little devotions like that. Like I always, if I see a, an ambulance mm-hmm. going, I'd say a, a Hail Mary. Nice, yeah. If I pass a church, I do the sign of the cross. Yeah. Just kind of recognize that Jesus is there. It's also nice here in this house where I live now that that the chapel is in between where I walk in to the house and when I go to my room. Mm-hmm. So I can always just, I just pop in. I probably freak out if there's a guy in there praying, but I literally just will stand in there for five, seven seconds, make sign of the cross, say a quick, thank you, Jesus, for the day, love you, and head up to my room or mm. whatever I'm doing, you know. That, just like not crossing the chapel without stopping in just briefly and acknowledging that Jesus is there present, yeah. you know. Cool. I was wondering about the adoration thing. Do you do that? Do Byzantines do that? Um, no, it, it's, it's a visual thing. So, you know, in the Roman church, having exposition and adoration is so beautiful because you're actually looking at the body, blood, soul, yeah. and divinity of Christ in the Holy Eucharist. Um, in the Byzantine church, I don't know if it's just a more simple thing, but you, you look at an icon because it looks like the person represented. So you use the, so we use all five senses with incense, with, you know, chanting. So all five senses are engaged every time we pray, but it, it's, it's, it's not as Byzantine to say, I'm going to look at something that doesn't look like Jesus. So when I'm looking at bread, this is kind of an oversimplification, and I've said this before, but when you're looking at something that looks like bread, it's not, it's Jesus Christ, but it looks like bread, I want to consume it. I want to eat it. And so it's almost like torture, putting it in front of me without letting me receive it. Oh. Because it looks like what is to be eaten. An icon looks at what you're supposed to, looks like you're supposed to be looking at. Hmm. Incense smells good. Chanting sounds good. That's, so we use an icon for visual prayer. And when it comes to the Eucharist, that's the oh, taste. That's how you receive it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a different sense. That's interesting. Yeah, just the different ways of looking at everything. Yeah. And do you have tabernacle? We do. And the tabernacle is primarily just for um, retaining the Eucharist for the sick. I see, okay. But I do think, and I do think that there is, it's better to pray in the presence of the Holy Eucharist than it is not. So it's, it's, it's more powerful to be praying at church because the Eucharist is there than it is in your icon corner. Even though you're looking at icons in both mm. places, it's, there's still, it's more powerful because Christ is present in the Eucharist in the church. So if you have the option of doing two, go to church. You know, absolutely. But it's not the same. It's not the same idea of like when you walk into a Byzantine church, you don't genuflect to the tabernacle, even though you're acknowledging it. Oh, okay. You actually bow to the icon on the to back the icons, wall. yeah, yeah, of the incarnation. So, oh, so always the one of the incarnation on the yeah, back. Yeah, the, the Our Lady, the sign, what we call it, the the platitera, the one on the very back wall that shows Mary pregnant with Jesus. Yeah, and that's always standard. Mm-hmm. in all the churches or, or the cross or any other icon. I mean, you're, you're just kind of you're acknowledging visually. You're looking at something, but 
the, the, uh, that at the same time, you're never neglecting the fact that when I walk in the church, this is God's house and the Eucharist is here, therefore Jesus is here. Mm-hmm. You never want to neglect that. But these little devotions like walking into a church and venerating the icon first before you, know, you, don't, you don't genuflect first, we venerate an icon first, that's just a more visual thing. I bow as an act of a sign of metanoia, a sign of conversion. I venerate the icon as a sign of reverence for God. Mm. And then I, I acknowledge God's presence in the Eucharist, but it's just kind of a different order in the different traditions. Mm. Cool. Well, that's it. That's all I wanted to talk about. Was so what are your, some of your devotions. devotions? You asked me. Well, that's so rosary okay. most, most nice. days. Beautiful. Um, yeah, like getting flowers for mm-hmm. Our Lady. That was kind of one of my particular, um, I don't know, just kind of one of my things. Yeah. Because yeah, I, didn't, I didn't learn it as a practice, a, you know, someone was teaching me or something like that. Yeah. I just said, I want to start doing that. Yeah. And that's been a joy. Um, I don't know. I really like, I do like Eucharistic adoration. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, lighting candles is really fun for me. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's kind of a shame that a lot of these churches don't have candles. That are, yeah, they're you know, real. It's like an old school thing, maybe. Yeah. or Like it was maybe like an insurance Concern, right? Exactly. Having fire that's what it is. burning around. It also just I mean it ma- makes the statues dirty and things like that. But yeah, totally worth it. Still yeah. totally worth it. Just and like it can Christmas be over. Tree. I guess it can be overdone. But I like. I got a lot of devotions to yeah. saints. And yeah, I like to sort of foster those. I've been telling. I was telling people um, with confessions recently. Get the help of your saint. Mm-hmm. Get the help of your saint. Your when, patron, yeah. especially if it's like. You want to be, you say, I feel guilty because I'm not praying as much as I want to, or right. have a rule of life, you know, but you don't achieve it. I say, well, get your saint to pray the rest of it. Yeah. If you say you want to pray half an hour a day, and you manage to pray 10 minutes, you say, hey, saint, you've got to pray my other 20 minutes yeah. for yeah. me. Why not? They're, they're it's real. Like teamwork. They can, yeah. And they got a lot of time, I think. Yeah. I'm not going to presume that. Sorry, St. Michael. I yeah. know you're busy, but... Yeah. <laughs> See, when I was young and in college, like if I needed a parking space to open up, I'd go to St. Gemma. If I needed to like pray for someone who was sick, I'd go to St. Gemma. If I needed to go to sleep earlier, St. Gemma. If I needed to wake up mm. earlier, Gemma. And it was just because she was pretty. Yeah, she's pretty. <laughs> you were devoted, dude. I was very devout. devoted to the, the prettier of the to saints. The pretty I've Saint matured Gemma. a lot since then, thank God, but yes. They're all beautiful. They are beautiful. They have beautiful, beautiful out, souls. Yes. Well, uh, that, that's all I got to do. I also wanted to thank, this is like a kind of a shout out, I guess. Okay. I wanted to thank um, Amy Stolsteimer, who works at our church, and um, she's a fantastic woman. But I recently was mourning a death and was pretty beat up about it. And she bought me and put a um, chicken and biscuit from Chick-fil-A on my car. Nice. It was just waiting there for me. Nice. And it was so delightful. Yeah. It was a really good gift and a kind thing from a kind person. That so thank awesome. you, Amy, for the chicken biscuit. I used to walk around Steubenville and put roses on people's cars. You did? It's like a St. Therese thing because like they, they'll use roses like maybe twice a semester. Mm. Just like I'd buy five and randomly put them on five cars. I'm like, you never know how St. Therese is going to use some random dude putting five roses on five random cars having no idea who they are to be like, they, they just finished a novena and they were, they were looking for that rose, you know? Yeah. Speaking of putting things on cars. 
you that's like a very you, that's gonna work well in California. Yeah. Flowers in his hair. <laughs> exactly. He's, it's, it's he's the flower guy. California hippie. There we go. Do you I, yeah. I think people should also um, grow flowers mm-hmm. for the sake of these Marian feasts. You're getting back to your gardening again. Put yeah. them in a put them in a, a vase. Yeah. I have a, a little rose bush called Happy Hannah. <laughs> and I'm growing these things for but they nice. it's kind of dying right now. Oh, so it's not so happy. It's not so happy. <laughs> Flailing Hannah. Yeah. And they come and go. I'm not actually sure what the seasons are for roses. All right. Well, you got any shout outs? Um, yeah. Uh, shout out to Father Brian Escobedo and Pani Janet Escobedo, who are taking over my parish. So, oh, yeah. Father Brian Welcome. Um, is, by the time this comes out, he'll already be here. We're, I'm recording a bunch of podcasts, by the way, with all the guys before I leave, just so we can space them out. Um, so I've, I still have another week and a half here in Denver, but by the time this comes out, it'll be Father Brian Escobedo will be the pastor here. His wife, Pani Janet, they have three kids. I think two of his daughters are getting married, like within six months to a year of him moving in here. What did you call her? Pani. It, it's, it's Pani? a, you call, it's a diminutive for a priest's wife. It's like oh. you call, you call the priest father, you call her Pani. Really? Yeah. Pani, it's Pani, the priest's yeah. wife. Yeah, so okay. just you, I mean, you can just call her Pani, but she's Pani Janet. You know. Okay, I thought I thought that was her name. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I was like, that is a her name's Janet, name. but Pani is, okay, is the Pani Janet. is like the friendly way of that's of, cute. Of I like that they have yeah. the. I do, I do too. It, I like it, a title, it, you, and you, you also they're kind of coming as a team, working as a team, which I think is very important for our, our small parishes because we're kind of like a family. And you say Pani, like she's kind of the mother of the parish, just like yeah. she's the father of the parish. You know, well, that's yeah, that's charming. And then shout out to their their. Uh, three kids who are all adults now and out of the house but um i grew up with them so they're around my age and uh and shout out to uh subdeacon jonathan dean who is from father brian's current parish in san diego okay he's uh, i think he listens every once in a while at least to the podcast and he uh he's losing his pastor and he's getting a new one so he they're, they're in transition too and i i'm realizing how how crazy transition what is the subdeacon so. sub-deacon do you have to be ordained Yes, so it's an ordinate ordained position. So we have all order. we have all the seven ordinations, even the minor ones now. Okay. Lector, cantor, candle bearer, subdeacon, deacon, priest, bishop. So he's a, okay. he's ordained, he's on his way to diaconate, God willing. Oh, okay, um, I see. And it's it's a minor order on the way to diaconate. But you could get you can get ordained a subdeacon and not be on the way to correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, and we're kind of bringing that tradition back in our eparchy, in our diocese. I hope we are, because that would pretty much a subdeacon would be a sacristan and an altar server. Okay, so you, you so you, the, the biggest problem with this is like for that it works ordained subdeacon. So you're usually ordained elector, cantor, and candlebearer all in the beginning. Those are positions other than serving at the altar, um, but those are positions we also have open to women. Mm-hmm. So so you either bring back the. You bring back the female diaconate, which had a very specific role in baptizing women because right. adult women were getting baptized naked. You didn't want men doing that, so it was female deacons. You either bring back that back to allow the other ones, or it's it's kind of a it's just a controversial thing to say we're going to start all these ordinations again if you stay those things because mm. all of a sudden like you you a man can be ordained a cantor, a woman cannot be ordained a cantor, and they're both doing the exact same thing because it's an ordination. Yeah. See, we don't do we don't call those orders anymore. Okay. They're like ministries. Right. Acolyte. Yeah. Um, and I think that 
can can be make the ordination thing less confusing. But of course, yeah. I don't know. It's just different traditions. But um, I, had, I had somebody say, I don't mean to get into a whole other topic, but I, I had somebody say to me something that was very wise. He says, um, he said, lay people only those who are ordained should be facilitating the Eucharist. Altars, whoever's on the altar, whoever's cantering, reading the epistle, and others because th- that that liturgy is for the place ordained to do so. He says, um, if you're not ordained, your liturgy, your your celebration is out in the world where the ordained don't normally go as much and aren't as free to work out in the world and evangelization, oh, saving souls okay. out there. And I don't think that dichotomy should be that strict, obviously, but I do think there's something beautiful there to say, with those, we come into church and we get kind of jealous as human beings, like what's going on on the altar, and they're, they're allowed to do that, and I'm not, you know. Of course, women preaching is a big thing right now, and social media. So, and but but I, I thought the way he said it was was beautiful. You know, lay people are ordained to go celebrate and to do work in the world, and God empowers that and then yeah. makes that a celebration in a different way. But when we gather for church, all of those who are leading or guiding should be ordained by the church and by God to do that. Yeah. Something to think about. Yeah, I mean, there's there's an important mission for every Christian. Exactly. There's a place. There's Location. a place where that yep. requires leadership in yep. various ways and initiative. And leadership, service, and doing God's work. Do you know, you know this, like, prophetes, right? The Greek word we get prophet from. It just means mm-hmm. mouthpiece, like yeah. mouthpiece of God. Like, we're we all priests, prophets, and kings. We all are mouthpieces of God in different ways when we're, as soon as we're baptized. Yeah. We, just, we just don't, you know, understand the power of those vocations or those mission fields, like you said. And, the, and there's the, the, the liturgy is supposed to be like this foretaste of heaven. It is an invitation, one foot into heaven, but it's also at the service of the people and the, yeah. the mission of evangelization of the church. You know, it's really not, it, it, it's like a means, you know. Yeah. It's, it's not like everybody's goal should be trying to do something at the church. It's like you're supposed to be out in the world with your mission. It's sanctifying your family and your workplace and your, all these things, you know. We're all given different gifts. We're all different parts of the body of Christ. And I think we're, we're getting back into a season in the church where the people who don't think the, the body of Christ should have different parts, but we should all be doing all the things, that th- those voices are starting to be a little bit louder. And it, it's kind of frustrating to me because we don't treasure the different roles and different parts of the body of Christ that Christ has called us all to, and it's just going to make it too boring. It's going to make the church too gray, and, and not not that not that the church is going to change because people want it to, but if it did, it would just make it too boring and normal, and then we'd have more people rebelling because the church is just bland. Hmm, Whereas if, if we understand the power of the different calls, the different Diversity. vocations, different roles, different mission fields, that and, and and be content. That's a big thing. Be content with your vocation, mm-hmm. and be content by finding the power in it, and the, the you know the the radical nature of it. And if we're content in that, and yet zealous. I think we'll just be a little more happy and better to discern whatever vocation is. How did we get on this topic? I don't know. Oh, we was subdeacon. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. you asked subdeacon was. That's right. Well, I mean, I could sit here and talk forever, but it looks like yeah. the storm is coming. I know. Uh, we, we, oh, this you're right. fantastic out cloudy. here on the, the lake. perfect. Well, don't leave. Don't go to California, and then we can just do this all the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> these, these are the things I'm absolutely going to miss, sitting out here with you by the lake, beautiful weather, talking on the podcast, spreading the word of God. Ducks, ducks on the pond. All right. Well, God bless you, everybody. Thank you. 
go um, develop some devotions. Yes. All right, let y'all keep in touch.